Today's scripture comes from Psalm 31, beginning in verse 10. Psalm 31, beginning in verse 10. Just as a heads up, um, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to have one. They're in the, in the seats in front of you. And this week we'll start our next month of our soap Bible readings. And so you'll see that there are purple March soap bookmarks in there. You can take one of those with you. Or if there's not one in there, they're on the table um, on your way out. There's an information table that has some extra bookmarks. And so you can have one of those. Psalm 3110. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery, and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries and a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances, and those who see me in the street flee from me. I have passed out of mind like one who is dead and become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many and the terror all around as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and my persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Do not let me be put to shame, O Lord, for I call on you. Let the wicked be put to shame, and let them go dumbfounded into Sheol. Let the lying, let the lying lips be stilled that speak insolently against the righteous, with pride and contempt. O how abundant is your goodness that you have laid up for those who fear you, and accomplished for those who take their refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from human plots. You hold them safe under the shelter of contentious tongues. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the last week of this series, um, When God Doesn't Fix It. And I've been really thankful to journey with you in this, to talk through some of these kind of crazy ideas, not crazy ideas, but difficult ideas that we wrestle with as a church and as we figure out what to go or how to go forward when we pray and we say, God, I need you to do something, and, and it seems like it goes a different direction than we hoped for. What do we do? And so a couple weeks ago, we said that the first response is to be honest with God. That's what these prayers have been throughout the readings. These lament psalms are when people are deeply and brutally honest with God about their hurt. Two weeks ago, we said that part of the role of the church is to surround people who are hurting, that we need each other in the midst of our most difficult circumstances. And so we care for each other, and we lift each other up, and we remind each other of what we believe and of what, who God is. Last week we said that we can't forget that God shows us what brokenness looks like in his son Jesus and in communion. And this week I want to get into one last question. We've wrestled with some questions like, where does pain come from? But the, the question that I want to wrestle with today is this. Can anything good come from pain? Can anything good come from the things that hurt in our lives? Because when we're in the middle of it, when we're sitting in it, the answer is no. Now, there's this whole school of thought that the church has that says that God tests us in order that we would grow. I always want to say, I don't believe that God causes our pain so that we'll learn something. That doesn't sound like the rest of my understanding of God. That doesn't sound like the rest of Scripture. There are a few instances in the Bible that seem to allude to that, but it just doesn't seem to fit what the overall message is of who God is. God doesn't sit here and say, well, now you're going to get this so that you can grow. Instead, it seems like pain and brokenness just are. Just like the creation itself, these things are a reality from the beginning. They exist. 
And all we do is we begin to ask this question, not where does it come from, but could good ever come from pain? And I think the way that we get at that question is we start to listen to some of the stories of people who've been through pain and been through struggle. Uh, there's a Christian musician named Laura Story. You may, she's written a lot of um, Chris Tomlin's music. This is Laura and her husband, Martin. Um, because when you're famous, you're, all your pictures are at the Grammys, apparently. So there it is. Um, but Laura and Martin, Laura's a musician. She's written a lot of songs that you may have, if you listen to Christian radio, you may have heard on the radio. And she has this story that goes on in her life because she and her husband, who were newly married, hadn't had kids yet, were getting ready to start a family, and and Martin came down with a a serious condition that affected his brain. And it required him to have surgery on a couple of occasions. And he was able to come through the surgery really well, even, even through a couple of infections, even through a couple of difficult situations. He comes through the surgery, and he's healthy, and he's making his way back But as she tells the story um, in a book called When God Doesn't Fix It, when she tells the story, she says that as he wakes up from one of the later surgeries, he looks up at her and he says, Laura Story, what are you doing here? And she said, well, we're married. And her husband at the time goes, yes, which is amazing. But they were soon to find out that his short-term memory, his ability to remember his own life, had disappeared in mighty ways, and he had to remind himself. It was, it was the, the plot you see in movies over and over again where people can't remember quite who they are. They have a memory of other things, but not of themselves, and he struggles with this. And they were forced to struggle with this reality that he was going to look at pictures to relearn who he was each and every morning and to begin to understand what, what, who, who the people were in his life and what they meant and how he was going to relate to them. They struggled with that as they waited for the birth of children. They struggled with that as they go through family. And she's been telling this story on a regular basis. And as I was reading, there was something that she wrote in her book that I thought was really telling about the reality of pain. She says this, I'm frequently approached by people of all ages who tell me about their broken circumstances, their seemingly unanswered prayers, and their disappointments with life. They want to know how I got to be okay or how I made it through to the other side. What I always want to say but rarely have the time to explain in detail is that I'm not okay. We're not through the other side. We're still knee-deep in it and likely always will be. If I had more time to talk to them, I'd say that despite the fact that Martin and I are still hanging on every day, what they see in us is how God has been evident in our story time and again. God has used it in powerful ways ways. One of the first things I remember learning about pain, I was talking to my mom, and she had lost her dad years before. I was like 10 years old when my grandfather passed away. And I asked my mom, I said, how long was it before it was okay? And she said, it was never okay. I never felt, I never got over it. I just learned to live with it. I just learned how to live with the reality. Did it hurt less on a minute-to-minute basis? Yes. But I never felt like, oh, this is all right now. I've gotten through this. Instead, there is this reality that we're not okay. But, Laura points this out. God uses our story to meet the story of others. God uses these stories that we have as we begin to learn how to live with the wound that shows up in our lives, the difficulty that we struggled with, 
uses it to meet the story of others. Think of it this way. The deceiver, the devil, the one that we renounced a few minutes ago, that we said, that isn't the one in our life. Whatever it is that tells you um, these things that are not of God, however you personify that, says this. Your suffering is useless. You just have to endure. There's no reason for it. There's no meaning behind it, or maybe God is causing it, and so you need to be frustrated or grumpy about these things. Because that answers what I think is probably not the question we need to ask. What's the point of our pain? We ask this question, well, what's the point of my suffering? What's the point of the things that I've gone through? But I don't think that's the right question. I think the right question is, what good can cause, come from our pain? What good can come from the pain that we've struggled with? I, it's hard to say that good can come from difficult situations. But I think it's important to remember that there are a lot of things that we look back on thinking, that was really difficult, but it made me who I am. There's a lot of things we look back on and we begin to realize that things came of the struggles that we went through. But the Apostle Paul points out in 2 Corinthians some of the way that people struggle with pain and some of the way that we can make it through. He writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves were consoled by God. What we've said over the last three weeks is this. God takes care of us when we hurt. God sends a church to be around us. God says, don't be afraid to bring your hurt to me. God says, there are people around you. God says, I understand your suffering. I've been there in the suffering of my own son. I know your pain. But at the end of this phrase that we actually read two weeks ago, it says this, with, we console others with the consolation we ourselves received. This is who God calls us to be. This is what God calls us to do, because the reality is, is that pain exists. But if we're going to say that anything good comes from pain, we can say this, that God consoles us, God cares for us, God shows up in our hurt, and God lets us show up for other people. We can care for others. You see— the God we know is a God who redeems. The God we know is a God who redeems things. These are the stories that we tell each other all throughout the joys and the hopes of our life, that there is this God that redeems things, that makes things new over and over again. What's redeeming? Redeeming is this. When you take something that seems broken or useless or wasteful, and you turn it into something that's beautiful and whole and full of worth. This is the story we tell each other. God redeems us. God loved us so much that he sent his son that all of God's people may be redeemed, may have everlasting life. But God's not just in the business of redeeming our souls or our lives or whatever it is that God is redeeming that brings us into a relationship with him. God also redeems our circumstances and our realities. 
God takes the pain that we've struggled with and gives it to us as a story and says, this is something that you now have that's deep inside of you and that you can share. This is something that is for others. It is for your community. It is for your neighbor. Amazingly enough, one of the things that I'm the most surprised by over and over again is that whenever I suffer and whenever I hurt and whatever it is that I struggle with, there is a community of people who have been there and can show me. There's an old joke that, that's told or an old story that's told. Not a joke. There's an old story that's told that says that a man's walking down the street and he notices his friend has fallen into a deep pit. And his friend is shouting and he says, help me get out of here. Go get help and please help me get out of here. And the friend looks around, thinks about it for a minute, and then jumps down in the pit with him. The man who'd fallen in first said, what did you do that for? Now we're both down here and neither one of us is going to leave. And his friend says, yeah, but I've been in this hole before and I know the way out. I've been there before and I can see the other side and I can share with you what does the other side look like. You see, this is our call. This is the way God uses our stories to touch the stories of others. The broken things in my life weren't caused by God, but they can cause me to point to God's glory. They can cause me to look back and begin to realize again and again that God is powerful and full of life and can use my story to touch the story of others. Right before the reading that we read today, um, there, there's a, a couple verses in the psalm that David writes, and he writes this, I will exult and rejoice in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have taken heed of my adversities and have not delivered them and not delivered me into the hand of my enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Now, if you read, if you listen to the rest of the story, what he goes on to say is things are difficult and I can struggle. But in the middle of his hurt and his pain, in the middle of this story, David praises what God is doing. And he doesn't praise, God, you have fixed it. Instead, he says, you've seen me. You have taken heed. You've noticed the hurt that I struggle with. You've seen it show up in my life. I am so thankful, David says, that you know me and that you never left me alone. The author praises because he's given a firm place to stand. He sets his feet in a broad place. It wasn't about fixing it, but it was about that God was in it with him. And I think one of the amazing things about going through pain is we begin to realize when we are in it, it feels like God can be so far away. But the story that I hear over and over and that I've experienced over and over is that when we look back, we see where God was. When we look back from where we are now and we see where we've been, we begin to see the places where God has been in our story, caring for us, watching over us, sending people into our lives to bring healing. God redeems pain. He doesn't just fix it. That's not how this works. But God can take broken things and make them full of life again. 
He does it with his son. He does it with you and I, and he does it with our stories as we bless other people. Because I believe that the church is called to be an army of wounded healers, to use our wounds to heal each other, to use our wounds to bless each other in powerful ways so that when somebody's hurting, people show up in their lives and say, I've been here. I understand your pain. And I need you to know it's just for now. It's not forever. I hear your pain and your heartache and your struggle, and I need you to know that it doesn't last forever. In fact, one of the Psalms says these words, that joy or pain lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. This is why your story matters. This is why you are called to have hope even as you're crying tears. It's why we are called to—it's why we are called in the midst of our pain and our hurt and our heartache to remember that God is in the business of redeeming things. I don't think God gives us hurt so we'll learn something. But on the other side of it, he sends us to people who need our story. David, as he's talking about what the other side looks like, says these words— Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was beset as a city under siege. I had said in my alarm, I am driven far from your sight, but you heard my supplications when I cried out to you for help. It's only on the far side of the moment that we begin to see that this reality is true. You heard me when I cried. In the midst of our pain, it feels like God is so far away. But when we start to look back, we begin to see where God was. And your job are to be the bringers of this good news, of this hope, of this life that says, I've been there before. And I can tell you that you learn to live with it. And it becomes a part of your story. It becomes a part of who you are. It becomes a part of what you're bringing to other people so that all may know God's love. So that God might use you to restore the story of someone else. Psalm 31 ends with this short and simple blessing. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take courage. Jesus even added this, saying to his disciples, I have told you these things so you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You are called to courage. You are called to strength. You are called to know that when God doesn't fix it, that God stands in all things with us. He cares for us. He redeems us. He sets us in a broad place and gives us hope again. May this hope be what carries you this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your people often feel like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. But we know that you have sent a shepherd among us who loves us and never lets us go 
We know you're in the business of redeeming things, so we pray that you would redeem our hearts, our lives, and our stories, that we might be those wounded healers who bring healing in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we are, that we will bring your hope. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and together God's people said, amen.